Research indicates that the demand for minimally invasive prostatectomy is growing. But research also tells us there are still limitations to laparoscopic approach for prostate cancer. What are these limitations, and how should we advise our patients on these issues? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Jim Hugh, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Harvard Medical School and Director of Minimally Invasive Urologic Oncology at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. Welcome, Dr. Hugh. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on ReachMD today. We are discussing the distinctions between laparoscopic and open radical prostatectomies. Well, what is the difference, Dr. Hugh? Just defining laparoscopy, it means to look inside the abdomen. So in contrast to an open radical prostatectomy where there's a relatively longer incision and surgeons are putting in metal retractors to spread the tissue and to gain exposure, laparoscopic approaches involve the use of ports that are little channels that go through smaller stab incisions in the skin and the abdominal wall. So there may be five or six of these ports used for laparoscopic radical prostatectomy in contrast to a larger incision used for open radical prostatectomy. Now, so much has been written about the da Vinci robotic surgery. When you say laparoscopic, does that mean that this is being done by robotic surgery? Right. So the da Vinci robot is actually, a, would say, a subset of laparoscopic surgery. So there's laparoscopic surgery or laparoscopic radical prostatectomy that can be done with conventional laparoscopic instruments, and there's also laparoscopic surgery that can be performed with the da Vinci robot. And so really, it's a further step, if you will, in terms of laparoscopy involving a newer development or a master-slave machine, if you will, to perform the surgery. Dr. Hugh, now, would you review why do we do radical prosthetic surgery to begin with? So the goals of radical prostatectomy are first, a cure of prostate cancer, secondly, preserving urinary function or keeping the patient continent postoperatively, as well as retaining and preserving sexual function or potency. And so those are the three main goals of radical prostatectomy, again, just to preserve sexual and urinary function as well as cancer control. Now, what have you found in your research comparing the laparoscopic robotic approach and the open radical prostatectomy approach? So in our research looking at the Medicare population, so looking at men 65 years and older, we found that men who were undergoing the minimally, and we call it minimally invasive laparoscopic approach, meaning that it could have been either laparoscopic conventional laparoscopy or the robotic-assisted da Vinci approach. And we found that, generally speaking, men were at a three-time greater risk for needing salvage therapy within six months of surgery. What is salvage therapy? It's either the use of hormones or radiation within a six-month period after surgery. And so really, we use that as a proxy for cancer control because using the administrative data in Medicare, of course, we have certain limitations. That is, we don't have access to the margin status or the pathologic report. Now, why would the minimally invasive approach make that salvage approach not necessary? The minimally invasive approach had a greater risk for salvage therapy. And the reason, the hypothesis that I have, and of course, this isn't something that can be gleaned from the Medicare data, but... I think that when you look at how quickly we in the United States have adopted both laparoscopic and robotic surgery for the treatment of prostate cancer, it's picked up much faster than the adoption of 
say, laparoscopic surgery for the removal of kidneys for cancer control or the removal of kidneys for donation purposes. And I think part of the reason why we're seeing a greater use in salvage therapy, which, again, is a proxy for worse cancer control when you compare it to open radical prostatectomy, is the rapid adoption and a a steep learning curve of this minimally invasive procedure. Do we still do a lot of open procedures? It's very difficult to quantify nationwide how many radical prostatectomies or what proportion is being done open versus robotic or versus the conventional laparoscopic approach. But most estimates of this year state that more than 50% of surgeries or 50% of radical prostatectomies are done with a robotic approach now. And so I think there are still areas where open surgeons are doing high volumes, but certainly I think the trend in the field is towards the robotic-assisted radical prostatectomy. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Jim Hugh, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Harvard Medical School and Director of Minimally Invasive Urologic Oncology at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. We're discussing the distinctions between laparoscopic and open radical prostatectomies. Dr. Hugh, what is the advantage of laparoscopic da Vinci robotic surgery for the prostate? I think the primary advantages are a significantly lower blood loss, which in turn lessens the likelihood of a blood transfusion. For instance, generally speaking, averages of series that look at open radical prostatectomy, there may be a 20 or 30 percent risk of needing a blood transfusion, whereas averages for robotic or laparoscopic series the transfusion rates are in the single digits, usually less than 5%. So there's significantly less bleeding. In addition, uh, there's the other benefits of the minimally invasive approach in that the smaller incisions contribute to shorter length of stay, less use of pain medications after surgery, and a quicker return to activities of daily living. So the recovery is shorter with the laparoscopic or the robotic approach. And what about the complications? The complication rate in our studies, we found that the complication rate was lower with the minimally invasive versus the open radical prostatectomy. And again, while the data cannot tell us why this difference exists, my hypothesis is that the lower blood loss really leads to the lower complication rate with the minimally invasive approaches. What are some of the complications of the laparoscopic approach? With the laparoscopic approach, we certainly saw a higher risk for a stricture or a bladder neck contracture that happened, and these tend to happen usually two to three months after surgery. Again, I think that this is likely a reflection of the steep learning curve of the minimally invasive or the laparoscopic or the robotic approaches compared to the rapid adoption that's happened in this country. And what about the neurologic complications in both uh, the open and the laparoscopic? I think that's a very interesting question, Mark, and it's one that really receives a lot of publicity because, of course, young potent men are interested in preserving potency. And I think that, to be truthful, in our field, we probably don't standardize the way that we define potency as well as we should. And in addition, potency is typically assessed by the surgeon, which, of course, is subject to some observer bias. But I'm not trying to skirt around the question, but I think that the bottom line is it's difficult to compare the two techniques directly because there's such great variation in potency rates just among open surgery that you're going to see wide 
variations in outcomes of potency in the robotic or the minimally invasive techniques as well. When Eddie Reddick first popularized from Nashville the laparoscopic cholecystectomy, it was thought of as an experimental procedure, and now clearly it has become the gold standard for removing gallbladders. Will this be the same in prosthetic surgery? My opinion is it quickly is becoming the same. I think that quite naturally, patients, if, if you can choose to have your prostate removed with less blood loss through smaller incisions with the less pain, I think that most people would opt to, to have that option. However, again, I think the challenge is to diffuse this technology in a safe way such that people are trained adequately before performing the procedure. Now, these are robotic da Vinci machines. They're quite expensive, yes? Yes, they are. I think that typically, I'm told, although I don't know what the manufacturer suggested retail price is, if you will, that it's something about uh, along the lines of $1.6 or $1.7 million. Do many hospitals have them already? Well, I, I don't know about most because I won't say that it's a proportion, but I believe that in the United States alone, there's over 600 da Vinci robots that have been installed. And I've been told that some centers have more than four robots. And what about the surgeons learning this technique? I think the surgeons are quickly attempting to convert their procedures over to a robotic technique because that's where the patient demand is. Just based on the direct-to-consumer advertising that's unique in, in our country and in New Zealand, one can go onto the Internet, uh, type in prostate cancer, and quickly come up with paid or, or uh, Google-defined, search engine-defined robotic prostatectomy sites that may be convincing for patients trying to choose a treatment option that this is the way to go. Are there any traditional urologists who are saying that really the open approach is the optimal approach? I think that's definitely the case, Mark. Unfortunately, I think we in medicine, and this is just my opinion, often uh, where you stand depends on where you sit, if you will. And if a new approach threatens what one does, then there may be more criticism in terms of uh, newer things that come along. But certainly, I think some open surgeons contend that with the robotic approach, one doesn't have any tactile sensation or any sense of feel that they may think that helps them in doing a better operation. Are you teaching your residents the robotic approach? I am. The residents are the first assistant for the surgeries, and I think it's a nice blend for them to see an open surgery as well as how it compares to a robotic procedure. So they, they aren't indoctrinated completely in robotics uh, just because at the Brigham we still have surgeons that do open surgery and then myself who does the robotic. Well, what uh, would determine if a patient cannot have a laparoscopic da Vinci robotic approach? Really, I don't think that there's any contraindications for, for not having robotics and then for doing open surgery. Certainly, I found that perhaps more obese patients, and as we all know, obesity is a growing problem in the United States, but I think that there may be some advantages with the robotic approach in terms of patients that with heavier body or greater body mass index, just because, if you will, you're operating inside with a camera inside giving you a magnified field of vision in contrast to a deeper incision in which the exposure may be more difficult in someone with a thicker abdominal wall in patients with higher body mass index. And what makes you convert from laparoscopic to open procedure? I think for a lot of surgeons, it'd be the inability for the uh, surgery to move along. In other words, typically, I think in skilled hands, although one shouldn't use time as a metric of a good outcome, but I think that in someone who's very facile at doing robotics, the operative time 
should be equivalent uh, or similar to open surgery, but if you're operating and it's taking four or five, even six hours, then one is just not able to progress. I think those are reasons for conversion to open surgery. Otherwise, I think surgeons that may encounter bleeding or injuries to the rectum, for instance, or other adjacent organs may feel a need to convert to open surgery. Is it reasonable to ask the seasoned urologist to learn this new technique? I think that the nature, and again, this is my opinion, but I think the nature of medicine in our country is that physicians, particularly surgeons, are, are very autonomous. And so, but I do think that in certain markets, some surgeons are feeling the pinch, if you will, if they've traditionally been a high-volume open radical prostatectomist, they may very well be seeing less patients because patient demand is for the robotic procedure. And so naturally, there's a pressure to convert over to the robotic technique. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Jim Hugh. We have been discussing the distinctions between laparoscopic and open radical prostatectomies. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.